from Terminal 5 in New York City, the Making a Musical podcast and Original Sin Hard Cider present the Obie Awards Red Carpet Special with your hosts, Jacqueline Frapp, Paolo Perez, and John Vogel. This is the Making a Musical podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Thrapp. The podcast follows the development and execution of our new off-Broadway musical Good Morning New York, opening at the Players Theater January 9th, 2020. It's a special edition of the podcast because we're back stage at the Obie Awards. I'm here with the new musical director for Good Morning New York and co-composer alongside Dylan Adler. Welcome to the podcast, Paolo. Now, this was a first for me because let's talk about a little bit of how we even got into this. So when it comes to Good Morning New York, our musical, we have the podcast, which got us into the Obie Awards as press. Crazy. It's crazy because we got a VIP pass that we're wearing. It says Obie Awards, all access. We could go behind the scenes. We could go anywhere we wanted because we had all access just because we're a podcast. Tell me about how you're feeling because I'm a little starstruck. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily get starstruck per se. Um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's just a person and we're all here celebrating the stories that people have written and the, the stories that people have told and have heard. And uh, it's just so important now more than ever to realize that we all have a voice and uh, we exercise our voices in different ways. Some of us are musicians, dancers, writers, whatever it is that we do, we all have a voice and it's more important now than ever to exercise that voice. And you got a chance to interview the co-creator of Stomp, so let's listen in to that. Luke, we're here today, uh, we're running a podcast called Making a Musical, and there are all different kinds of musicals, all different shapes and sizes. Today we're here celebrating the Off-Broadway Awards. Um, I think there's a misconception within the theater community, also within the public, that if you're a creative type and if you're not on Broadway, then you haven't succeeded. Can you talk a little bit more about how somebody can create a life for themselves if Broadway isn't necessarily their goal? I, I think Broadway should definitely not be the goal. I think Broadway's got all the commercial trappings, pressures. Uh, Off-Broadway's the most fantastic uh, scene there is, where you can do brave new ideas, it's been young directors, young writers. We've been here for 25 years working Off-Broadway to a great success. And, uh, and our Broadway producers who look after us Off-Broadway are extremely happy that we're Off-Broadway. So I, I think it's... Uh, it's a it's fantastic medium to be. In. Do you think it has more to do? I I mean I think a show like Stomp probably works a lot better in an intimate space instead of one of these giant venues. Well, well it depends. I mean in West End, which okay. is the equivalent of Broadway in England, and Stomp would play in the West oh, End. Oh, perfect. So we we chose to play off Broadway in New York because it's better. It's we're not glitzy, we're not glam, and we're not showgirls. We're that's great. We're now I I mean I think everybody knows Stomp, or they've at least heard of it. Uh, when you were creating, what was the spark, the idea that made you think? Oh, we can just create a show with sound and noise I, instead of words. I think that's a myth. I think that, that's the musical. Like, okay. we'll make a show here. Yeah, sure. We'll do it now. Yeah. I, I think that's, it was over a long period of time. It was over about a five-year period, being a drummer, uh-huh. doing lots of avant-garde street performance, mm-hmm. hanging off buildings, lots of things. And then finally doing the Edinburgh Festival, which is a big arts festival in the UK. And uh, we put it together there, and, and it went... It went bam. So, That's great. But we did it for ourselves. We didn't do it to try and make a musical. You know? Oh, sure. I mean, it's been running, you said 25 years now? In New York. This is our 25th year. 25th year. Has the show changed a lot since its inception? Yeah, the concept doesn't change. The people have changed. Right. Routines have changed. I mean, I think 
you know, the concept still stands up today because it, it, it's as contemporary as the young cast doing it. And they bring a rhythm to the show that is different than the rhythm I did when I was younger. So I was running around when you were doing your interview um, with a star from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Tell me how that was, because you had a mutual friend, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 was, it, it was just a nice immediate connection. It just reminded me as I approached her that she's just a person, just like any of us, uh, and that, like Rachel Bloom said, uh, we're all just theater kids. Um, and so to be able to just glimpse behind that, it, 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 just, it was an immediate sense of comfort and, and recognize, uh, kind of recognition that, uh, that though she and I might be at different places in our career, we've all been doing the same things and we're going to continue to do it because that's what we were born to do. That's great. So let's play your interview with her. Gabrielle, am I pronouncing it right? Gabrielle, Gabrielle yes. very specific. My name's Paolo. I, I'm very particular Paolo. about it. Exactly. You got it. I got it. You got it. That's fantastic. Well, the, uh, so we're here with, uh, we're, we're talking about our musical, Good Morning New York. We're also with this podcast making a musical. We're wondering about the many inner workings of how to make a musical. First thing we want to know is when are we going to see you up on stage? Oh, I've missed it though. I have to tell you. The last You've time I was it. on stage uh, here in New York was on Broadway with Adina Menzel. Oh then. my God, how was that? Yes, it was right before Hamilton swept up the Rodgers again. And was that your first yeah. like major kind of musical scene? Or? No, I, I did three Broadway shows while I was oh, here before Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I also, um, one of my favorite shows was an off-Broadway show actually. It was a children's theater show. Um, Skippy John Jones at the Lucille Lortel, and John to Jones. have so many kids come and like watch the show. Oh, I mean, of course, are, you know, singing next to Adina yeah. Menzel is great. Oh gosh, I'm not gonna say that. I didn't up one up it or anything, but it was oh, just yes, that's so incredible. special. That's yeah. so cool. Well, you know, I think uh, you know we're here obviously celebrating uh, the Off Broadway Awards. Yes. Um, but I think there's a big misconception uh, with just the public and creative types that if you're not on Broadway or if you're not striving to be on Broadway, yes. then you haven't succeeded. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about how somebody could create a lifestyle for themselves? Broadway isn't their goal? How people can create a lifestyle for themselves even if Broadway is not their goal. Yeah. I feel like the misconception is, is if you don't make it on Broadway, you're there is no success other than that. I mean, I felt like that when I was studying in school. Like, if I wasn't in New York and I wasn't being successful, I felt the same way. And how people can create lifestyle is really like your craft is, you are your own, when it comes to your craft, you are your own competition. And to be able to create work that matters, that makes a difference, and that really affects you emotionally and makes you a better person and those around you, I think that's worth being, being able to celebrate. Absolutely. We all have a voice. Yes. And, it's and, I just feel, about... and I also feel with Off-Broadway, you get a lot more freedom oh, absolutely. To, to be able to express your version of the craft or of the story or whatever, whatever part you are in, you know, whatever pillar you're working in, I feel like you get a lot more freedom off-Broadway, and things sometimes change when they go to Broadway. That's so. for sure. I mean, the intimate space of an off-Broadway yes. house can't compete with the massive area of a Broadway. Uh, now, when you're on set versus your experience on stage, what's the energy like in the room? <laughs> you, you Obviously, performers feed off the energy in their live performances, but it's it's kind of different when you're recording. Well, I'll tell you, there's free food that helps. on set. That helps. There's a lot of free food, and uh, that, for me, sometimes I'm like, right, 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 I have to keep dancing, I can't do that, yep. and then and it's very helpful sometimes at two in the morning when we're still dancing yep. that there are people that can help us feel like we can keep, uh, we can last. People do our hair and makeup versus on stage, which is extremely glamorous and also very helpful because 
I, and I do love like as a the theater person that you have a little more independence to learn how to draw, you know, to make yourself look like a cat or make yourself during the 70s and when, like like all these different kinds of uh, thematic makeup. But it's really nice to let the pros be the pros and uh, screen some, sometimes allows that to happen more often. That's great. Now I want to talk about our sponsor for a quick second because we this podcast, our Instagram takeover and the IGTV and YouTube red carpet pre-show, that is all sponsored by Original Sin Hard Cider. It is one of my favorite drinks in the world. So they only use freshly pressed New York City apples. It's one of the first modern day cider companies, and it's been an independent New York cidery since 1996. And they even have a small orchard upstate featuring 150 varieties of apples. If you'd like to give it a taste, you have to be 21 or up. So grab your ID if you're 21 or older, head to the store. You can get in New York City, the Midwest, the other side of the coast. You can get it all across the nation. Just check online. You must be 21 or up. Let's get back to the show. For a lot of the people here, their name is worth so much and has such a legacy behind it uh, that that when you're in front of the camera, you kind of have to turn it on. You have to keep it on. Uh, and to have to, again, not pretend, but to just have to keep that shield up for so long it is it's it's a daily battle um i i can only i can only understand how 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 it feels on a very small level within my own uh practice but uh it, it it's it was just really nice to be able to connect with people and and see them let their guard down and kind of just be honest with us and, uh, and and not that they were saying different things that they'd say up on stage, but maybe that just that they say it in a different way. And somebody who I met that I thought was very cool, calm, and collected on camera, off camera, backstage, on stage, was the host, Rachel Bloom. She's the OB host for tonight, and she was also the creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I've been following her career for years. I finally got to meet her. Take a listen to her interview. It was pretty fun. Rachel Bloom, nice to see you making a musical podcast right here. Yeah. So our podcast is about making a musical. Great. Yep, it's about the new musical Good Morning New York, which opens next year off Broadway. Awesome. Question for you. Wait, so it's a podcast about... Oh, sorry. Let me correct that. Yes. So the podcast is about making a musical. And the musical, the musical is, is called going to be, Good Morning New York. it's going to be off Broadway. And this is a podcast hyping up the musical that will be off Broadway next year. Exactly. Great. And every week we talk about what's new. Genius what's marketing. Happening. Genius marketing. Thank you. I'm really happy smart. someone else appreciates it. No, that's really smart. So will we be seeing you on theater anytime soon? Like on an off-Broadway stage or Broadway stage? Yeah, no, one, I've been no one's to. really asked. Um, I couldn't do, uh, well, Crazy Free's not on Broadway yet, but I couldn't take part in more Crazy Free because I was filming Crazy X, but I'm unemployed and I'm super around. I love people who are unemployed. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> you were just at Radio City Music Hall too, right? Yes, How yes. was the show? It was a once, I mean, that was just a life, that was a, I'd say once in a lifetime. We did it twice, but it was a twice in a lifetime experience of, doing that show at Radio City Music Hall. Our fans are amazing and it was it, it was unbelievable. Now, what I love about the finale for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is you, it's all about finding love in yourself. Yeah. And I love that because when I wrote my musical, Good Morning New York, it was about a time when I was kind of struggling and trying to find purpose in, in points and why I'm in New York and all that. And I loved watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend from the start to the end because music sometimes is all about just finding yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's synonymous with, with marrying your kind of inner happiness with your external happiness, which is really what the show is all about. What, what makes you happy and how do you kind of 
you know, um, how do you how do you walk the walk? <laughs> how do you actually like live your truth and live your happiness? And and it's it's self love, but it's also self fulfillment. And not when you eventually find someone, not trying to use them for self fulfillment. That if you're already fulfilled, then you can find someone who can be an equal partner. Now let me ask you this, because I watched when Crazy Ex-Girlfriend debuted, I was head over heels for a guy in California. Oh. So weird that Wes Covino was like <laughs> the song, because I'm like, oh my God, that's me. And even people said, Jackie, that's you. That's really creepy. Yes. So when it debuted and I was head over heels, do you have any advice for people who do see their purpose through a guy? Well, love is intoxicating. I mean, we did a lot of research on love and infatuation when making the show, and uh, there is this... Um, I think she's technically a social anthropologist named Helen Fisher who gave a TED talk all about love. And Mother Nature, love doesn't want you to be happy. It's, it, you know, it, it stems from the kind of lizard brain urge to reproduce. So you have to understand when you're in love, there are chemical things that are happening to you that are out of your control because it's trying to get your body, you know, from lizard brain kind of caveman days, it's, it's getting you to, to reproduce, right? To make more of you. Um, and that applies, even that kind of lizard brain applies, even if, you know, if you're a same-sex couple, if you're poly, it's, it's the kind of same thing. But what happens when you're in love is, um, let me see if I get this correct, you're, it's akin, the symptoms of being infatuated are just like the symptoms of having obsessive-compulsive disorder and being on cocaine. So your serotonin, which is kind of your leveling out chemical, drops. So if you already have depression, like someone like me, it makes you even more depressed. But when you think of that person, or you see that person, your dopamine skyrockets, and that's like your, your pleasure bursts. So being in love makes you sadder, hence love sickness. And the only thing that makes you feel better is seeing this person, hence the literal love addiction. So it's not a conscious, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat out of your control and part of self-fulfillment is understanding okay I know what's happening to me I don't need this person to fulfill me body I know what you're doing you can do your thing but this too shall pass because it does pass theoretically right and with self-love and work because I counseling as well you learn to eventually love yourself and know that like if you have a good base then a rejection isn't as painful yes exactly Precisely. Yeah. All right. So last thing I want to say, would you be able to look at the camera? Where is my camera? Oh, there it is. Would you be able to look at the camera and say you're watching Good Morning New York? Sure. You are watching Good Morning New York. Thank you so much. Thank One you. more thing. Can you sing with me? My favorite song. Yes. I, I am have trying friends. to. I have to oh, you have to go. A, I have to sing a song of theirs. Oh, my God. Oh, but God. What's, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say if we could say I have friends. Sure. I definitely, That's fine. Okay. Ready? Three, sure. two, one. I have friends. I definitely have friends. Oh, that's it. That's all I knew. Okay. Oh, was that was that on cue? Was that on? on was I yeah, right? It was great. We Yay, were Rachel Bloom. It's wonderful great. to meet you. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet Thank you. You're gonna do great tonight. So that was so fun to meet her. And we have one more interview to get to. John Vogel was there. John plays Billy in Good Morning New York. You see him a lot on our IGTV video, which is live now. Just go to Good Morning New York Musical on Instagram and then you'll find it. You'll also find it under Jacqueline Thrapp on Instagram. That was sponsored by Original Sin Hard Cider as well. Check that out because John Vogel has some good interviews as well. We're going to play one of them. But before we do, I want to say... If you follow the Instagram page, we're going to post the other 15 to 20 interviews we have. We have so many interviews from that night. 
Um, we're very, very thankful that the American Theater Wing and the Obie Awards let us in because I know that we're a newer podcast and no one really knows who we are or what the show is and um, just just the chance to walk in the door was great. And even for them to like be accepting of my rookie mistakes was also very, very nice. So thank you, American Theater Wing and Obie Awards and all of your sponsors as well. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I hope you're listening to the podcast, and I hope you like it. Okay, we have one more interview to get to, and that's John Vogel. So, John Vogel. And I'm here with Beowulf Borit. So, you're a set designer. Um, We help people make musicals, off-Broadway musicals, on little to no budget, essentially. Uh, So, what are the best tips for someone working with little to no budget to make their set design really pop? You know what I would say? The most important thing about set design for a play or a musical or anything, it's how I always start, and I think it's because I started out doing poor theater with no money, is I read it and I look at each scene and I think, what thing do I absolutely need to tell this, to, to let us know where we are or to help this scene happen and let the storytelling happen? And if it's just a chair, that's great. And my best work tends to be where there's very little on stage and there's just one or two things in each scene. And you can do that with no money. Um, if you kind of come up with a with an idea for what your show is, and then find the couple of pieces you need to sort of help the storytelling through those locations or whatever it is, that's all you need to do theater. It's about an actor telling a story to an audience, um, and all the rest of it is is you know razzmatazz that's sort of helping tell that story. But but don't get bent out of shape about having too much stuff because I think theater is actually better without too much stuff. Let the audience's imagination do a lot of it for you, whether it's with no money or with $10 million, you still want to play on the audience's imagination, because that's what theater knows how to do well. And your stage designer will thank you for having less pieces overall. Um, so it seems like it's really about, you know, less is more, and just really clarity and focus on make, and making each scene really, you know, soar uh, on its own merits. But that's got to be harder to do as you progress and get higher budgets and, and more to play with, right? It sort of is. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always mean that less is more. Sometimes I'll do, you know, a surround or a skeleton of the show. So it must be hard, uh, you know, keeping that sort of less is more and and uh, uh, keeping that less is more mentality when you when you've gotten more money and you're working on uh, a bigger production, right? I think sometimes it is, and there's always a temptation to spend money just because you have it. But I really I approach even like the biggest budget shows I do the same way. Is is you know what is the theme of the show? What is the envelope that it lives in? And how do I present that in a way that's clear, which often means simpler? Um, and then what are the pieces that I need? So it, sometimes it leads to very, very big sets, but that's always my approach is how do I, what is the minimum I can put on stage? How do I boil it down to that? And then once I've done that, maybe like what are some bells and whistles I can add that are exciting and are, are, are fun and sort of spectacle uh, to help tell the story. But it all has to come out of the storytelling and, and what are the things that are going to help people experience that story and get excited about it. That's awesome. That's such a great set of tips. I think I think you're going to set a lot of producers down the right path with that awesome information. So we thank you very much. Thank you, John. And thank you, everybody who is listening. That is our podcast. Like I said, it's a bonus episode sponsored by Original Sin Hard Cider. Thank you to our sponsor as well. Um, I'm going to be taking a break. As you guys all know, it's uh, season three. Summer Break, hosted by Jose Weigand. So she's over in Nashville. She has a fun podcast out for you on Thursday. Meantime, I'll hop in. You know, something happens. I'll come back in. 
Um, we did not get the Drama Desk Awards, Tony Awards. Um, we probably won't get those either. So this might be our last red carpet special for the summer award season for theater. But that's fine because, guys, I got to raise money. I have to raise money for the musical. I have like 8,000 more to go. I have to work on the musical in itself. We got to do the album. We got to have all these meetings, get everything together. So that's fine. I, I'm fine if I don't do these. But so much content is coming, like I said. So follow Good Morning New York Musical on Instagram. Follow me, Jacqueline Thrapp on Instagram. John Vogel. Follow Paulo Perez. Um, I'm following them, so just type in their names and you'll see them show up. Also, goodmorningnewyorkmusical.com if you want stuff. You can buy tickets. You can buy shirts. You can watch our trailer. You can read our bios. You can do anything you want. So anyway, thank you everyone who was a part of this episode. That's it for us. This is the Making a Musical podcast. (laughs) 